to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com don't fast forward because i have a discount for you slutty scholars this episode is sponsored in part by we vibe remember that the more you buy from our sponsors the more you support this podcast this valentine's day they're offering our listeners a special five percent discount on any product at we-vibe.com just use promo code S and S at we-vibe.com. WeVibe creates some of my favorite sex toys and they're known for their couples vibrators. If you haven't heard of them, their toys are easy to use and have things like squeeze remotes and a lot of intensity options. So for the 5% off, just go to we-vibe.com and use our promo code S and S. We-vibe.com, promo code S and S. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another episode of Sluts and Scholars, a show where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. This week, uh, we welcome someone I'm a huge fan of. Bree Mills is an award-winning adult filmmaker and chief creative officer of Adult Time, a streaming service for adults. Her work leverages art, sexuality, and cinematic narratives to Trojan horse powerful messages into the hearts and minds of her audience. A Boston native, she now lives in Los Angeles with her wife and daughter. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Congrats on all your success. How has awards season been going so far? I wanted to come to your talk, but I actually had a talk at the exact same time, and I was really bummed to miss it. Uh, it went, you know, uh, we had the XBiz Awards last night, which uh, um, January is sort of our our big awards season in the industry, obviously, and uh, XBiz is, is what kicks it off. So we were really blessed. We took home 18 awards last night, which is uh, a new record for us. Uh, and I was wow, really yeah. amazing. And, 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 um, among them, the, probably the ones that we're most proud of, um, site of the year for adult time, which is our, our streaming service, uh, and, um, the best movie of the year for teenage lesbian, which was one of the films that I wrote and directed this year. So, uh, it was a really a lovely night all around. Hell yeah. Congratulations. Well, we're definitely going to talk about Teenage Lesbian as we get into it, but I'm super curious about the Trojan horse narrative. (laughs) Um, What narratives do you feel like are important for you to personally share and why do we have to like Trojan horse them Mm -hmm. to like force people to see them? I have always used art in whatever medium I'm in, be it creative writing or filmmaking or theater to me, art has always been the best means of creative expression. What's on my mind or what's in my heart usually is going to come out through what it is that, that I'm creating. And so that that ebbs and flows. That's changed a lot over my time as a director in this industry. And I, I certainly expect it's going to continue to evolve. So I can speak to some of the things that matter a lot to me right now. For the last four years, since I moved to Los Angeles and and began directing full-time, I've been really uh, surrounded by so many incredible people within our industry, particularly from the performer community. Maybe it's because I'm like, I'm a mom (laughs) in my private life, but I feel a a great sense of, you know, of of camaraderie with performers, but also just, I, I, I want to see them succeed. I want them to be proud. I want them to to look at our medium of adult films as the same artistic soapbox as I see it. So, you know, I feel very invested in what matters to them. And it's been a big part of my my time here is, is, is in working collaboratively with them and using a platform like Adult Time to be a space where I can express myself and make various statements or tackle different subjects, but that performers can as well. So that's a big motivator for me to be able to, you know, use uh, the advantage I feel we have, which is that we're not afraid to talk about sex. We're not afraid to express sexuality. Uh, and there's a lot of things in society, a lot of, of um, uh, areas to work on within modern Western society that have to do with, to say the least. with, with <laughs> sex hangups, you know? So yeah, like in terms of sex education, 
you know, um, sex positivity, uh, sex uh, uh, and wellness, um, you know, uh, body image. Um, uh, there's so many social statements that we can make and awareness that we can raise using our voices because we have that place of empowerment as, you know, uh, as sex positive people. So I, I really see that that, you know, that's something we can do for good. And um, it's been a that's sort of uh, been a, a big focus of, of my work in the last year is sort of focusing on ways that we can tell stories that involve sex and sexuality um, and tell them in a way that's digestible to uh, a obviously the, the, the traditional porn audience or people that are seeking out adult entertainment or are already viewers of it. And also people who might not necessarily be seeking porn or have their own preconceived um, misconceptions about what porn is, but they're interested in, you know, say, um, LGBTQ subject matter or, you know, uh, sex education subject matter or things that, uh, you know, we can still uh, make compelling content for and, and maybe even open their eyes to like, hey, you know, like, it's okay if maybe I masturbate to this too, or like invite my partner to watch it. Or, you know, maybe this thing called adult time is something I want to check out. So why do you think people on maybe the more mainstream porn platform before felt like maybe those topics would be like a turn off mm-hmm. as opposed to something to be included and, and producing excellent content. Well, maybe this is where the Trojan horse part comes in. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been a bit of a shit disturber. Uh, I just, be, I mean, partially, I think it's just my personality. Uh, I tend to, I think in one interview you called yourself like the disruptor I, and I well, like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing is, is that, you know, our, our industry, like so many others, is built upon a lot of archaic um, and and sort of predetermined uh, uh, like this rule book. You know, uh, people don't watch for the story. You can't be a good actor when you're in a porn movie. You know, people only want to see slapstick comedy. Uh, and there's certain you know things that when you know it, it involves sex, you absolutely can't talk about it or touch it as subject matter. There's all these preconceived notions. And I think because I don't come from a, like, I didn't grow up within this industry, like a lot of, a lot of people who've been in this industry, especially for, you know, 10, 20 years, like they they were raised on these rules. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty ingrained. Uh, I I don't have that rule book and and I never had that rule book to play by it. And I've never, you know, I've never really subscribed to those rules. So I kind of come in and be like, well, no, I want to talk about this subject. And, and thankfully, because of the trust and autonomy that, I have as part of uh, the Gamma family, which is the the uh, uh, company that you know owns and operates Adult Time. Uh, I've been given a lot of uh, trust and and creative freedom over over the years, and um, to to go into areas that uh, otherwise people wouldn't even be in the position to be able to say, "Hey, I want to you know talk about racism in our industry in a piece," or "I want to talk about you know body shaming." Uh, in our in 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 culture within a piece, most companies would probably have to go to corporate and ask permission for that and be told like no. Whereas, luckily, we've been able to say, well, no, that's an important subject, so we want to talk about it. And is it just sharing like a a common mission statement with the pe- with the company that you are working with, mm-hmm. or like how did you get so much freedom to be able to to have this flexibility? Well. I, you know, I've been I've been with Gamma for ten years now, um, and so they trust you. Yeah, and 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 I'm you know a senior member of the team at, at this point, and and work very closely with with uh, the owners and our, our president over the years. So we um, we've all uh, there is a lot of trust within you know within that group. And uh, always uh, very close. Um, there's we're kind of a hard, or clo- a, a tight knit team in terms of you know uh, communication and, and working together. Uh, luckily, I was able to do a few things that were successful early on. <laughs> that always helps, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, it worked before, so maybe we'll let her do this, even even though it's kind of out. So there. it had results. Yeah, and and you know, it's. I think the thing is, is that uh, you know what 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 I bring into the project because adult time is a team of almost 50 people now working full time. So it, it's not, it's by no means a one person show. It's really, there's so many voices and so much talent. Uh, and one of the things that we all kind of share um, in, in, in many ways, because we've kind of grown up together, like we've worked together um, since the day we started producing, many of the same people are still uh, in the adult time team. Uh, you know, we just, we share this passion for, 
for challenging the status quo and for and for being disruptors and for doing something different. And we saw how it impacted not just the performers we were working with, um, but how it impacted the audience, um, which has been so, you know, so supportive. And we have, you know, so many fans who uh, really also feel the same way about, you know, supporting uh, talent and making these statements and raising issues that need to be raised. And so it's one of those things that if you had put it down on paper, most people probably say like, that is a terrible idea. You should not do that. It's not going to make people horny. It's not going to sell clips uh, or ads on. Yeah. Like people go here to like check out and not have to think about social justice issues. The thing is, is that, you know, in 2020, nobody needs to pay for porn. It, that's a reality. You know, if you want to get off or if you're casually feeling like you want to get in the mood or whatever, you know, Pornhub has become the Kleenex for watching porn and and nobody needs to. You know, <laughs> that's such a good quote. But it's such true. a good visual. But it's totally true, right. Yeah. Like it, it, it um, you know, you don't need to pay in order to get your rocks off. And if you ask anybody under the age of 30, if they pay for porn, they kind of look at you very confused because Pornhub... Like, oh, you can they, pay for porn? Yeah, because they kind of grew up with Pornhub being like just, you know, another major video sharing site. And um, so the people that are subscribing to a service like Adult Time, and I think this is important to know, like those people are there for more than just a casual jerk off. You know, they're there because they... Uh, uh, have loyalty to a certain brand or a certain writer director or certain talent or certain shooting style or genre. They like the convenience of being able to log in and have so much quality, be able to follow the shows they like. I mean, we really emulated ourselves um, uh, on a similar uh, user experience to uh, mainstream uh, streaming sites like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. So it's that same mentality. Like, why do you have your Netflix account? Well, you know, if you log in, there's chances are there's going to be new shows. You want to check them out. You don't want to miss anything. You've got your tried and true favorites. Some of them are really thought provoking and some of them are really goofy, but you know, you, everybody's got their own tastes and it's, it's, people's tastes are increasingly diverse. It's an instant Mm -hmm. gratification, uh, uh, universe these days. So it's, it's, you can't pigeonhole people and say, well, just because you like, you know, this kind of content, that's the only kind of content you're going to like. So you subscribe to that pay site with that kind of content and that's it. No, people like all kinds of stuff. And, and oftentimes outside of, you know, in very different boxes. So having a, a, a platform like adult time allows them to be able to dip in and try different things and support different people and build new loyalties. And that's an experience that is it is unique to just, hey, it's Friday night and I'm feeling like a little whatever, hot and heavy. I want to go like uh, check out a clip. Right. I mean, it, so it sounds like the next era of porn is socially conscious media. Yeah. And I wonder what do you think has to be done to continue to disrupt this mm-hmm. status quo that has taken hold for so long in the mm-hmm. industry? Uh, I think it's definitely happening. I think it's already underway. Um, the last, uh, as I mean, I said, clearly you won 18 awards already. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not just, not just us, you know, I look at other, pretty much if you look at the people who are, um, at the top of the game, if you will, in terms of, of, um, uh, publicity and critical acclaim and commercial success, one, it's a lot of female directors, um, uh, you know, last night, uh, I won a best director award for, uh, the feature work I did. Caden Cross, who's another amazing and incredibly visionary, very talented director won uh, for overall body of work. So, you know, like that's the, between even the two of us and the work that we do, it, it's so different than what, um, you know, the, the porn of your, you know, very artistic, very, um, experimental, very avant-garde, very even controversial, um, but not afraid to, again, really stretch what the definition of, of adult entertainment can be. And, and, um, now that more and more performers are becoming their own content creators really at a professional level, and that's a big shift. Uh, five years ago, you, you had, you know, the people that were clip artists that, that didn't shoot mainstream porn and they were in one universe. And then you had the people that shot mainstream porn as performers in another universe. And now you see the majority of performers. Yeah. That, that, that 
the majority of their income and their revenue streams are coming from their own content that they produce, that they, you know, um, uh, put out on their platforms. And so that in itself is introducing a whole new era of uh, creativity and a whole new era of, uh, of okay, redefining what, what adult content can be. Because, you know, these, these are, are, are people who are, who are in charge of their own brands. They're not, you know, um, necessarily subscribing to, uh, to, to other people's visions that may be rooted more in DVD sales as it once was, or, you know, advertising, uh, moments as it, it has been a lot, um, since, you know, uh, the last uh, decade. So I think we're going to keep seeing interesting and, and cool stuff and, 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 you know, uh, that's amazing. I'm so excited for that. I'm excited for that too. And, and now that more female producers are making content, and obviously being recognized, how do you feel like the sort of male gaze of the porn of yore is shifting? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, you know, again, if we look at, at, you know, and you have to look at the industry is that you're going to have the critic circle, you're going to have the industry awards and you're going to have the, the, the projects and the creatives that are recognized within that and they're not always going to overlap with the top commercial, you know, most successful uh, uh, companies out there. A lot of those are still very much rooted in ad moments and, you know, um, producing content based on data trends and, and, and mass market content. So I think we'll see, you know, more of a rise in prominence, uh, especially within the industry around, you know, um, uh, the type of content that, that, that is being created that, that is more, um, that has higher production value that has covers more diverse subjects that is more inclusive in terms of casting and body types, sizes, shapes, colors, all of that. Uh, and that's, will always sort of be still in tandem with, with the big box stores, you know, the, the companies that, that are, um, that have a, a very large footprint, uh, but, um, well, it's interesting how you put those next to each other. Cause when you were describing what you're putting out there, it was very much like, this is what the people and the audience yeah. are wanting and appreciating. Yeah. And when you're talking about like the bigger box stuff, it's more like, oh, here the, are the statistical trends yeah. of like what's showing up. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and that's, um, uh, like more of a numbers game, more of a, yeah, a bit more of a numbers game. And, and it's a kind of a different audience. Like, you know, I said like the, the, a lot of the people within adult time are, are there for really the quality of the content. That's sort of what has uh, come out in, in our own polling and our own data points as being the real driver is that it's, it's it, uh, people oftentimes compare us to the Netflix of porn in a way I sort of see us as like the HBO, it, you know, like it, it's a place where the, the content is at just at another level in terms of it's of, of the effort that goes into it. Um, and it's, I would say artistic effort that goes into it. So our, when we're, when we're putting together a, a project, be it a series or a film, uh, while we are very much influenced by, you know, we see what's trending, we pay attention to those, but those aren't like the main, those aren't the only decision factors. Uh, they're used to influence what is really driving all of these projects, which is the creativity, which is the right em- emphasis we put on our writing and our styling and our production design and our production value and our editing. And so when someone sees a, a piece of finished product from us, it, it, it really does stand out because uh, we have the ability, fortunately, because of the position we're in to put that energy in there. Cause you know, that energy obviously costs time and money. Uh, so it's creating a product that is at, at a certain standard, um, that isn't like the white couch that you shot five times that day because you have right. to, because that's just the, you know, cost of, of shooting content these days. Um, so yeah, in terms, in terms of cost though, I think other producers I've talked to often say that like, Oh, the quality is low because there isn't enough money. Um, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? And how do you manage to create this different level of production yeah. given, you know, financial restrictions? We have been fortunate uh, to uh, be able to, with a, a good number of our projects, um, have uh, greater resources in terms of investment. 
Um, you know, we certainly have projects where where we ha- we keep them a bit more budget content conscious in terms of, um, say, shooting two scenes in a day versus one. Uh, but we uh, a lot of the stuff that we're, we're recognized for are, are the projects where yeah, they do. We have probably you know, up to two times the budget of what some people have to work with. And that was a conscious choice we made. We, we, um, I think starting with the pure taboo studio, when we launched it, we just knew we needed a day to shoot what we wanted to shoot. It was more time-based and time came with money, you know, time and, and, and crew based. We don't have a, you know, we don't have a crew on the scale of a, of a mainstream crew where you've got like three grips and, you know, like 30 people sitting around and you don't know what any of them do. You know, we're still like a, yeah, a small crew, but, we're even, you know, within the industry, you, you have some people that are playing the role of director, producer, videographer, caterer, you know, makeup artists all in one because they have to because they don't have the budget. So we, we're really fortunate that we that we made that conscious decision, which which luckily translated into results. And but it's hard to, you know, especially when you're kind of looking at it just from from bo- like big box bottom dollar. You know, a lot of people just sort of look at that and be like, "Ugh." I mean, you could spend 10 grand to shoot that one scene or you could spend 10 grand and shoot four scenes. And if they're just thinking about the volume, then, uh, you know, the four scenes is obviously more economic. It's a better volume game for them. But we kind of consciously chose that we want to focus on making that one scene really, really good and, you know, in depth and and, um, something that someone is going to want to watch the full 60 minutes of and uh, again, to kind of break that preconceived notion that people don't care about the story. Well, one of the biggest things within the adult time member base in terms of what they regard as quality is the quality of the stories we tell and the authenticity of the, of the, the chemistry between the character, the actors that we bring together and the production value. Those are the things that stand out the most because those are the things we put the most time and attention into. How do you find performers who are willing to really lean more into the non-sexual acting role mm-hmm. it's uh it's not it's not difficult um obviously you know uh, uh every talent is an individual they're going to have things they like to do and don't like to do and not everybody is going to want to you know have have a long day on set working on a, a project where they might not even have sex because like half of my half of because my projects- I really i personally really appreciate the story you know any yeah. storyline <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, and you are not alone. You know, that was really one of the, one of the, um, uh, you know, uh, things that the walls that we broke through, uh, especially with the, the pure taboo studio was like, you know, people really, what's actually getting them off. It's not even so much the sex, it's the story. It's the, everything that goes around those characters and their context and, and the story. And, um, yeah, I, I often say like sex is almost the least exciting part of sex. Yeah. Me. Or a lot of people that'll say, well, I skip through the sex to keep watching the story. <laughs> to get the, well, you but have we, released mainstream versions of your, yeah. uh, feature films. Yep. Yeah. And that's what feels actually important about having a mainstream version as well. So I, um, uh, started to get, uh, I'm trying to think of when that would have started. Um, I think going into 2019 and looking at the projects that I that I mapped out that I that I knew I was going to do, one of the things that really struck a chord with um, with our audiences in it, it, within from the pure type of studio that we launched was the acting, and it kind of became because acting has not been taken very seriously in porn. Uh, throughout its history, there are certainly companies that that do take it seriously, but it's still kind of within this. I don't want to say cheesy, but somewhat cliched subjects and you know, kind of canned dialogue and and so oh what, for sure, like oh my gosh, is that yeah. a pizza for me? Yeah, is yeah. It, so, you know, like, <laughs> that's what people think of. Sorry for the interruption, but don't fast forward unless you want to miss out on some amazing discounts from our sponsors, WeVibe and UberLube. Remember that the more you buy from our sponsors, the more you support the podcast. This Valentine's Day, WeVibe is offering our listeners a special 5% discount on any product at we-vibe.com. 
Just use promo code S&S at we-vibe.com. WeVibe just launched a brand new partnered vibrator called Chorus. They even have an app where you can connect your partner to your vibrator. So if you're looking for a way to heighten your Valentine's evening, try doing some WeVibe wars and see how long you can last at dinner. This vibrator also has some really crazy cool technology, including a squeeze remote, where basically the tighter you squeeze, the stronger the vibration gets, and vice versa. It also has responsive controls and touch sense, which lets you control Chorus's vibrations with your movements. So when you touch or move against the sensor, the vibration shifts in intensity, creating a natural rise and fall that lead to an absolutely epic feeling. WeVibe also has awesome toys for solo use, so treat yourself this Valentine's Day and every day. For the 5% discount on any product, just go to we-vibe.com and use promo code S&S. We-vibe.com, that's using our promo code S&S at we-vibe.com. You know what goes great with sex toys? Lube. But remember, you can't use all kinds of lube with all kinds of toys. But on the subject of self or partnered love for Valentine's Day, treat yourself with some Uber Lube from our other sponsor. Right now, Uber Lube is offering listeners a special 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S&S at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code S&S at uberlube.com. If you don't know about it, Uber Lube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from simple, body-free friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E for some extra moisture. I also use it in my hair for frizz, and you can use it for chafing, massage, and more. I always have one bottle on my nightstand, one in the shower, and a little vial in my purse. Remember, lube is your best friend, and this friend has no parabens, preservatives, or petrochemicals, and it doesn't stain your clothes or your bedding. Just use code S&S at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping at uberlube.com when you use code S&S. Now, back to the episode. There's some there's some great feature companies that that have done really you know great films over the years, but it's still yeah. kind of within the conventional realm. And I am um, uh, one of the things that that I realized in the first couple of um, uh, episodes that I, that I shot for Pure Taboo, I recognized if we're gonna get that believability and the realism and the grittiness that we want, we can't give these guys line for line scripts. One, most actors, they're coming in for a day, a day job. They might not actually even get the script till the night before the morning of who knows, depends on their agent, depends on what else they were working on. They may have not even read it. So then you end up spending the whole day just getting them to kind of memorize lines. And what you get is just people memorizing lines. So it's lacking that emotion and it's lacking an authenticity authenticity. And so I kind of diverted from that and thought, well, why don't I write a story and I can write a treatment that as the director, it gives me that roadmap that like I, as the storyteller, essentially, I know the story. I can bring these actors together. We do what I call porn script theater, where I read the story. I riff on it. I talk about who they are, get them into those shoes. And then throughout the day, we, we just workshop each sequence. Okay, here it is. Here's the story. Here's how the characters are feeling. And then don't act, just become that person. Just be that person in that moment. And the results were so, um, so surprising in terms of the, uh, uh, just the quality of, um, of performance and the believability that it blew people away. They couldn't, they didn't under, like, what is this? If you go look at pure taboo videos on, um, on Pornhub, the comments are amazing. Cause it's like, what, wait a minute. I just watched all of this. You know, it's like people like shocked, absolutely yeah. shocked that the acting is good and the cinematography is good. And, and like, you know, what is this? And so having gone through that experience and having sort of seen not only how we could, really um use the power of acting to 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 blow our audiences away but also to give that sense of pride to the actors i've had actors just break down crying on my set they can't believe they did it high-fiving hugging like and it's all improv acting it's incredible you know you go look at uh you go to a mainstream hollywood actor and you tell them to do that chances are they may not be able to like it's really an incredible 
um, a, a achievement within our community, what has happened. And I, um, I think I've been so inspired by that and also just inspired by how much the performers care, how much many of them are like, well, Hey, can I write a story? Can I, can I come in and co-direct something? You know, they, they want to be part of the creative process. So, um, and then they're really invested in the product. And then they're very, yeah, absolutely. They're very invested because it becomes their project and it is their project. And, you know, I think the next step for that in, you know, the, the, the strange current that I'm swimming in is when I went into 2019, I, I looked at, and I thought, well, there's no reason why I couldn't tell, say, with Teenage Lesbian, which was a coming of age story and an important coming out story that that is about sex. When you're a teen and you're growing up and you're coming out, it is about sex. So, yeah. you know, we need to infuse that within the story. But there's nothing stopping us from shooting a primarily a film that's an R-rated cut. The same thing you that see. also has some sex in there because well, it's and, part of and, the story that we can offer a mainstream cut of it and then we can offer an uncensored version of it. And that's effectively what it was. It was the same film. It was primarily a film the way you would see any other independent film created. We just have the option to say, put the mainstream film out on YouTube or other public places so that it can, you know, be something that anybody can watch regardless of if they're interested in porn or not, they can watch it. If they're interested in that subject matter, they can watch it. And if they like it, and if they want to watch the uncensored version, it's there. And we also put those mainstream cuts within adult time as well, kind of as an experiment. And they were mm -hmm. watched as much as the uncensored versions. Because again, wow. the people who, are, when, when you're a member, uh, you're there because you know, of, of more than just a, you know, a casual getting off, you're there because you care. And and you're there because you're a fan. And we had such an outpouring of positive comments regarding that film within our member area with paying porn customers. Congratulations. I mean, oh. it sounds like you put so much of yourself into these. I mean, um, Teenage Lesbian was based on some of your experiences growing up in the 90s as, yes, a, as yeah. a lesbian person. Yeah. And in having to authentically share with the performers, with the team, like, being in your shoes, what was this really like? Like, mm -hmm. how was it for you to to go back and relive some of those like painful, difficult, uh, homophobic times? Mm -hmm. Well, it I, I've wanted to to tell uh, a coming a coming out story for a long time. The, I think the fir the first project that I really ever was part of in adult production was a studio I created called Girls Way, which is probably the largest lesbian brand within within adult. And it is amazing. It's 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 a fun universe, but it, it's pretty rooted in traditional tropes for the most part, um, which mm -hmm. is is there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, and, I, and I'm a big supporter of that. And I and we have so many amazing fans that love that. But what do you think is the traditional lesbian trope? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like the stepmom <laughs> stuff and the and the, yeah, um, the you know, fo fo le lesbian babysitters stuff and, you know, it, it, more stuff that's sort of, like you said, shot kind of from a male gaze. Um, we've, we've done, you know, a really great job over the years of of um, poking fun a bit at ourselves and doing lots of like recurring characters and and um, making it a, a its own universe and having a real tongue in cheek humor. So we've taken those traditional male gaze tropes and, and really elevated them, had a good time with them and built the brand that Girls Way is today. But when I was looking at doing a coming out story, I really wanted to do something that was a bit of a departure from that, that was more of a authentic look and something where we could try to to capture the real emotions behind somebody uh, going through that experience and also the real sexual experiences of someone going through that experience, which aren't necessarily going to be tribbing with really long nails and <laughs> some yes. of the stuff that you see in girl. <laughs> what girl do you farm. mean? That wasn't your first lesbian experience no, as a sadly, 16 year old? Sad, sadly, no. Um, but uh, I, so I thought that uh, perhaps the, the, the best thing that I could do to make something authentic was, was to base it on my own experience. Um, so that as the storyteller, I could not only come in and say, okay, well, here's the story, but then here's what really happened behind this sequence. And so it is a work of fiction. Um, every, uh, it, it's told over the course of the final school year of a high school student named Sam. 
Uh, she is 18. Everybody in the film is portrayed as 18 or older, which of course is something we uh, will want to do because it is, it is adult entertainment and we want to uh, make sure that it is adults only. Uh, so it, it took place over the course of uh, her final, uh, her final year. Um, but every sequence within the film, I would say 95% was directly inspired by something that happened to me uh, in my coming of age. I would say from about the, you know, my early teens through to my mid twenties and about that 10 year span um, uh, yeah. experiences that kind of happened to me. Uh, so well, I'm sure that's why it's been so popular, though, is obviously this is a, a unique individual story and everyone's experience is subjective, but so many themes are obviously relatable well, to and, people who grew up in that atmosphere. Yeah. You know, the 90s were the last decade before gay rights became um, any sort of household or national conversation. I, I remember as a teenager... Uh, sneaking in through the back door of the only community center in my conservative town to watch Ellen's coming out episode, you know, when I was maybe wow. 16 or something. And I, and I, and, and being terrified of being caught going in there, you know, I remember that so vividly. And now, and maybe it's part because I, I work with a lot of younger people. I work with a lot of people who are say between 18 to 25. And when I talk to them about this, because they grew up, you know, going to high school in the in the 2010s or in the you know 2000s. Um, they don't even. Girl, you're making me feel so old. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, I, I'm off like a gilf by porn standards. So. Yes, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I, it, it's 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 really in a way, it's really remarkable to see how far we've come in 20 years. But it's yeah. also a really important reminder of the need to continue to, you know, evolve and to raise these social statements and not just within society at large, but certainly within our industry, too. So, you know, it's a time capsule, but it's a it's an there's an important lesson in there. And, um, you know, what I have seen in terms of the response from people is that either it really evokes a feeling of nostalgia for mm -hmm. and if someone grew up in that era, either for their own personal experience or an experience of a loved one or a friend that they had during that time. Um, or it really resonates that even if somebody was not, you know, alive or, or coming of age during that time that they can reflect on man, like that happened to you. And a lot of, you know, I, I had such a great cast for this film. Kristen Scott, uh, obviously is, is incredible. Um, uh, will be, you know, in my heart always for, for doing this with me uh, and for, for kind of being that memory um, and, and, and being so uh, uh, willing to just lose herself in that, in that role and doing it so beautifully. Uh, but really the whole cast was so um, supportive and I think also felt the importance of it. And, I, and partially because they had to sit down and listen to me talk about, so on my second week of high school, I was thrown into a dumpster. So now I'm using art to to yeah. make that the opening of my film as my as the greatest revenge that you can have on bullies, you know, and so and, it felt more it felt more empowering than it did like re-traumatizing in any way to get oh, to get that story out it, there. It, it was, you know, I'm I'm you know I'm 38 now, so I've had some time, uh, and you know I've I've um, I've been you know very overall I've actually been very fortunate in my life in terms of much more support than than. Um, than some, then, then, uh, yeah, otherwise, but, um, I, I felt, uh, uh, it was a very just reflective project. You know, you're, you're recreating your own memories. That's kind of weird and cool. And like I said, you, you do can, can kind of take power over them or, or just, you know, uh, spin them in this new way to make a statement. So I, I had a very reflective year overall, and this was really my way of kind of looking in, back at my, my own self, my own identity, my own, um, you know, uh, past. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just sort of just very strange, very strange, but kind of really beautiful experience to be able to do that. So, um, what I, I well, I don't think I, people have been asking if I'm, you know, going to do sequels. I don't think so. I've, one does not want, sorry, just my, my twenties, here's my film on my twenties and my film on my rough thirties, you know, <laughs> it would be interesting to see, you know, the, the parenting role too. Oh yeah, yeah. Although probably like not real, real in, a, in any way of a, yeah. a mom. Yeah, exactly. I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a therapist. Once, so once a week, if you're lucky, when the kids don't come back in the bed. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, but that's fucking real. You know, yeah, I have clients yeah. come in who imagine like, oh, it should be happening every day. And I'm like, I'm like once a month. Sounds pretty normal. Yeah, it sounds pretty normal. Like if you're, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, you know, like, yeah, exactly. So I, uh, but I found um, that the experience, well, I don't think I would do another project um, based on my own experience. I, I found just the idea of recreating memories or bringing people's true experiences uh, to life. Um, uh, that was something I took away that I want to do again for other people. So you know, we yeah. already do that a bit within, um, we have a, 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 every month we will, um, for or most months we'll, we'll release on adult time a story that was uh, written by a performer. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes those are based on uh, a personal experience or just a very a personal subject. Uh, but I do want to expand that out because I think it is something that uh, a lot of performers in our industry have really interesting stories uh, and really interesting experiences. And those that would want to uh, mess around with them artistically or, you know, to, 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 to go down that path, I would love to empower them to do that. I, I think you do such an amazing job, both, you know, in the film you were just describing, but in all the other ones of like balancing sex and story, as we were mm -hmm. talking about. And I wonder mainstream Hollywood, even though there's sex everywhere is still like so frightened of sex. Yeah. What, what advice or things do you think that like mainstream Hollywood films can learn from the way maybe porn is starting to better balance sex and story? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, um, it, one of the things that, uh, that I've been doing <clears throat> increasingly, and I, and I notice other directors are doing it as well is really, um, interweaving, sex m much more into the story than it being like story segment, sex segment, segment, uh, especially within a f uh, film it, within a film. It's a lot. We have a lot more flexibility to do that, uh, than with, uh, within a sort of a single episode. Um, but, uh, and obvious, the obvious, like not just featuring like penetration scenes. You yes. Know? Yeah. Well, and so, you know, like one of the things that, that again, in terms of just being a shit disturber, like, you, you know, conventional rules are going to say, well, you're going to do about a, five minute intro and then you're going to do like a 30 minute sex scene and that's how you make an episode and add or subtract a few minutes depending on what you want to do one of the things that, that i started looking at was okay well within say a 60 minute episode could we have three little mini sex sequences in it that are all infused within the story but kind of keep you titillated to keep watching too so it's like you're not just gonna watch your five minutes and then you get bam you're like kind of unrealistic 45 minutes having sex underneath the table sequence, you know, that it, it would be a much more realistic. And, and I really took that approach with a teenage lesbian, which in the course of the film, I think has something like six to eight sex sequences, but they're not, they're, they're not all very long. You know, they're, they're between, you know, five minutes to max 15, 20 minutes each, mostly because that's kind of more like real life, you know? And also it, it doesn't, uh, uh, it keeps the pace. You mean pace. not everyone fucks for hours at a time, no. ongoing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, shocked. Not, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe some do. God bless them. But um, <laughs> no, but we but talk so much time, to our though. listeners about the, you know, that we love porn and and it's entertainment, and not to compare yourselves to a, to a professional who trains. Oh yeah, well, and it's it really is. It's a it's a form of athletics. It really is. You know, oh, yeah. to, to be having sex in some of those positions, especially, you know, opening up to camera, which is, um, you know, uh, one of the things, too, that that we try to break as often as we can. Um, we don't want to we don't want to take away visibility for, from people. But at the same point, you know, it's just if you're trying to make something that that's that's rooted in realism. It's very hard to do that with pile driver. Uh, it's, it's just not, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's these, a workout. These, these two people that just met casually are now having, you know, 45 minutes of the pile driver position. It's like, I don't know who these people are. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, we tried to like, you know, I, I found it, it actually makes the pace of the overall piece more even because you don't have these like, you know, very huge long breaks um, uh, for sex, which, which keeping character throughout sex is a very important, um, element of the work we do, but it's 
kind of hard to do that after like minute 30, you know, it, 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 or it becomes increasingly tougher to, to keep that. So, you know, when I'm doing longer projects <clears throat> or anytime I can, where I can weave in multiple sex sequences within a story, I try to keep them more maximum about 20 minutes each. That that sounds reasonable. I mean, I really was intrigued and loved the idea of like having repeat uh, repeat characters because mm-hmm. when you think of like you were saying, you're kind of modeling it after maybe more mainstream sites like Netflix and stuff. And when I'm invested in a show, I'm invested in the characters. Yep. You know, you feel like you're in their world and you want to know what happens. And I've often found myself like finding a fave like porn clip that I really liked and being like, but what happened to them the next time? <laughs> yeah. Like how did this like how did this transpire and continue on and like I missed them. <laughs> yes, uh, it was a it, it was a really for a long time it was a really big part of the girls' way brand. Um, I think it, it transpired simply because those of us who were creating the content liked it. You know, like liked mm-hmm. that stuff. We enjoyed writing kind of soap opera type narratives with recurring characters and and people that would pop up periodically and, and, um, creating really a universe. Uh, somebody once referred to us as the Marvel comics of lesbian porn. And I think that was uh, one of my favorite compliments. Yeah. But they did because of the sort of universe and, um, the, for the first couple of years of the girl's way studio, we, uh, were quite feature heavy. So I think we put out six or something movies in a couple years. It was sort of like on, on steroids and almost like most of our movies had interconnected plots. So, you know, there was like an evil organization that started in this movie and then they'd pop back up again in movie three. And we had a lot of fun with that. And it, it really helped to kind of build the uniqueness with that brand and, and build a, a size sizable portion of our following. Yeah. Like anything, you're going to have to balance between the people that are into the serialized content and want the same people over again or the same storyline over again. And the people that, that want the variety, the people that want more of the episodic or anthology, you know, kind of type, uh, 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 scenes. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as you kind of have a bit of a balance of both and then you can make as many people happy as possible. Speaking of girls way, um, so I'm a therapist and, and a lot of my like femme identifying clients, uh, when we talk about, you know, what, what kind of things they fantasize about, cause I specialize in sex therapy, they always say that they, uh, prefer lesbian porn, yeah. even if they're not particularly attracted to women or that's not something they even want to, you know, do in, in real life. Um, why do you think that is from mm-hmm. a production standpoint? Mm-hmm. I have my own therapeutic, you know, Theory. feelings about it, but like, yeah, what do you, what do you think from a production standpoint? <laughs> It's a good, it's a good question. Um, I, I, there's a part of me, like if I was, I'm going to contradict myself because I don't totally even agree on one position, but on the one hand, I can see that, that it's because for the most part, lesbian content is pretty digestible. It, even if it's going to deal in taboo subject matter, it's still going to do so in a way that's palatable. Um, that uh, most of the time the performers or the actors within the story are seemingly, you know, very, you know, interested and have chemistry and are focused on that. Um, and that it's, if you're going to dip your toes into porn watching, it's a pretty like warm, calm pool to wade into. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think that in a sense, I, I don't know how true that answer is. I think that's like the easy thing to assume when you look at the porn watching habits of women, and I think, you know, Pornhub Insights have, have done some studies on this, uh, you know, oftentimes the, the, the roughest, hardest, most controversial stuff is what women are seeking out or are watching. Um, and and yeah. similarly, I know hentai is, is very popular uh, among many uh, um, uh, female fans uh, because I think of just, again, the storyline and some of the, you know, lengths that hentai stories can, can go to that, you know, live action stuff might not be able to. So I, I'm kind of torn a little bit between the two worlds. Like, I, that's an easy answer, but I don't know if that's the, if that's the, you know, the, uh, the whole answer. I've, I've, I don't know what you think of this, but I've always thought kind of what you're saying that it's more of not that all, you know, lesbian, uh, films and features and clips like have this, but more of the storyline, mm-hmm. um, more of the maybe potentially drawn out what some would call quote unquote foreplay. Yep. AKA not like, you know, penis and vagina or like anal penetration that it's more like 
there's more play and mm-hmm. it's a little like s- potentially slower and like more drawn out. And even with the rougher stuff, then there's more of a, there's more of a storyline there. You know, there's mm-hmm. more uh, playfulness potentially, or just more, I don't know, more happening to like really get into as opposed to this, like, okay, first we kiss, then there's the dick sucking, then right. there's, you know, yeah. No, and so I don't know. That's, that's what I think. That's what I've found, but it's, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Well, I think one of the things overall, male and female, that um, that has surprised me in in our own kind of internal sort of mapping out of of of, of what people are watching or what they like is the importance of the emotional side of sex. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of what within our member area within our member base on adult time, which which is predominantly male identifying, uh, it is. Within our audience, uh, I guess men could like emotional sex too. <laughs> well, they, no, but they do. That's and, and that I was know, one of the, they really do. And I think there's this, you know, there's there's the assumption that you know oh, it's all yeah. going to be the sex act or or body parts or you know right. body types or whatever. But all of those sort of physically physical um, categories are literally matched by an interest in the emotional side. Do the girls look like they're enjoying themselves? Do is the, does the chemistry feel authentic? Are they are they faking it or not? I think that stems from probably a, a desire to want to sort of believe that the woman is really truly this you know sort of sexual you know sexually liberated creature and and you know that the chemistry is real and all of that and I think there's a real desire to and a turn on by that. Uh, and, and I'm sure that that's the same with female viewers as well. And then on the flip side for, for any gender viewer, you know, obviously women don't just have to like stuff that has emotional content or is like, looks like the woman is like fully enjoying herself, you know, cause there's a lot of fun, rough, like consensual non-consent play that yep. a lot of women love to watch. Yep. So I think, I don't know. I think in general, we don't yeah, that doesn't have to be a genderizing of like why someone would like it, but it is interesting to look at like the psychology of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're like the whole kind of uh, play aspect uh, and seeing that be more of a focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I would certainly agree with. Well, thank you so, so much for, for joining. And it was amazing to talk to you. And it sounds like you are busy. And how can people find you? Please plug all the things because I want folks to support and learn about what you're doing so they can uh, get off. Thank you. Uh, so uh, the best place to see any of the work that I do um, is uh, adulttime.com, which is a streaming service exclusively for adults. Uh, it is uh, home to over 60,000 episodes of content, over 200 channels, new original series coming out every month. Uh, very uh, exciting spot for high quality and innovative and disruptive adult entertainment. Um, you can also check us out <clears throat> on Twitter and Instagram at adult search for us on YouTube. We've got lots of, um, uh, uh, web series on there and interview clips and, um, samples of the films that we make and the series we make that you can check out for free to get a taste of what we're all about. And you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram when I'm not being an introvert hermit at the Brie Mills. Thanks so much. And again, if you want to follow what we're doing at Sluts and Scholars, we're on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And please, if you listen, we love your support, but it always helps to leave a comment or review. And we'll talk to you next week.